morning, good morning. So good to see you on an, yet another beautiful Sunday. Welcome to Carnegie Free. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and great to be together. Welcome to everyone in the venue as well this morning. Uh, we had a few child dedications here in the auditorium for those who are just uh, joined us far from the venue. What, what a joy it is to do those child dedications. Well done, parents. Let, let me just say again, well done. Some of those kids are either future preachers or entertainers. They really wanted the microphones. <laughs> if I could just reiterate what I know has already been said in the venue and here in the auditorium, uh, come back for Celebration Sunday next uh, Sunday night. Even if you can't stay for the worship service, come for the meal. If you can't come for the meal, come for the worship service. If you can't be there for the whole two hours, be there for part of it. It is an awesome all-church, all-family event. It's one of the greatest things, though, that we do here at this church. Amazing family tradition. And uh, I think last year we fed 1,100 people. I uh, want you to know we were short on turkeys last year. That's not going to happen again. Okay, that won't happen again. We'll, we'll have enough turkeys because you're going to bring them, aren't you? <laughs> okay, uh, you, you just heard this announcement. We, we'll need some more cooked turkeys than we had last year. So seriously, if, if you didn't hear anything else in that announcement, uh, please hear this. If you're willing to give a cooked turkey or a part of one um, to next Sunday evening's meal, that would help us a ton as we seek to serve probably 1,100 people. And uh, yeah, uh, you can sign up for that at carneyefree.com. I hope that's the last turkey announcement I ever give. Okay, we are in this series, To Whom Much is Given. To Whom Much is Given, Much is... Yeah, as I heard you all say. Required, expected. Much is expected, much is required, to whom much is given. We've been talking about this beautiful idea of stewardship, that God has given to each of us so very much, hasn't he? He has blessed us deeply, to which we say, thank you, God. And he's given each of us time, and talents, and treasures, and many other things as well, depending on your life stage. But all of us have those three, time, talents, and treasures. And the way we steward those time, talents, and treasures will indeed determine our legacy when we're gone from this earth. Stewardship determines legacy. We talked last week about how we'd fight against the clutches of greed, which all of us struggle with from time to time. Next Sunday, you're not going to want to miss next Sunday morning as we talk about blessed contentment. And content, contentment's one of those things that you just want to talk about on a regular basis because it extends across every area of life, doesn't it? Like some of us feel discontent because of a family situation. And others feel discontent because something related to our time or related to our finances or related to our health. And yet all of us can grow in the beautiful grace of thanksgiving. And that's why I love this holiday so much, Thanksgiving. We're just going to be talking about that now next Sunday. Blessed contentment. So be back for that. Uh, th three quick reminders, though, this morning as I open up our message on bless blessed and boundless generosity. Boundless generosity. Um, three real quick reminders. On the back of your outline, though, this morning, I, sh I just want you to know that if you're stuck in this area that we're talking about, if you're stuck, 
We have a Financial Peace University class that's coming up this January. It's a wonderful class for those who just feel like I'm stuck in debt. And also on the back of your outline, in addition to the details for that class, are a number of different proven ways that you can begin to save more or give more. And many of us feel like, man, this puzzle of life called finances is just so frustrating, and we want to help. So there's a series of ways that you can think about that, and then also consider that Financial Peace University class. Uh, second, if you're just struggling financially today, I said this last week, well, I want to say it again, let us know if we as a church can come by your side and assist you. Our church has been incredibly generous to our grace offering throughout this year, and so it's part of our desire to be able to assist those who are struggling. And we're all givers and we're all receivers, aren't we? Amen? Like, as Christians, that's what we are. And I know it's harder for some people to receive. I get that. I've been there. But we're all both as Christians. We're givers and receivers. And so we, we just love each other that way. Generosity has way more to do than just money. It has to do with you know, our time and our talents and to think of that no matter where you are financially. Finally, let me say this as a preamble to today's message. If you're new here, we almost never talk about this, okay? We, we really don't. I've been here just over four years. I don't think I've ever, I haven't ever done a series on generosity here at this church. Uh, we're talking about it here as it relates to stewardship. Um, we don't talk about it much. Probably should talk about it more because the Bible talks about it all the time. And we all know that it's a huge area of life. And if this area of life is not right, then so much in life just feels off. And so it's got tangles into everything. But if you're new here, I know that many people have fear. And oftentimes justified so. About churches talking about this because churches have guilted people. And for that, I'm sorry. And I will not do that. This is a guilt-free message. Can I get an amen? Okay, this is a guilt-free message. Let's get into it. Generosity, my friends. Generosity is an effect of the gospel. If you want to get into generosity with your time, with your talents, with your treasures, this is where it starts. It under, it's an understanding that God is generous. An understanding that God himself is the greatest giver that we could ever meet. Look at this verse up here out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven, he chose to leave the riches of heaven to become poor for our sake. That he took on ordinary human flesh and came into the dirt of Nazareth and came as an impoverished Jew, a second-class citizen. He took on our poverty in order that we, through the grace of God, might become rich unto God. Generosity is an effect of the gospel. You understand the magnitude of God's generosity to us. That's really where it begins. I've meditated on that verse so much over the years, and to realize that God loves me like that, that he would leave the glory of heaven for me when I was impoverished, it changes me. It realigns the direction of my heart. And this is what Jesus is after. He's after our hearts. He says elsewhere, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this is really what God wants. This is kind of the starting point. He wants our hearts. 
And we all know that we have different treasures. We can name some here today. You might have a certain person that's just the greatest treasure, and they capture your heart. Your heart always follows that person. It might be family that is your greatest treasure. That's a great treasure. And family captures your heart. It might be some team that is your greatest treasure. And that team captures your heart. And what happens? Your heart follows that team, doesn't it? It, it might be a car. It might be a truck. It might be a home. It can be any number of different things. But I would venture to say for just about all of us, part of our heart at the very least will be connected, it'll be tethered almost by a string to our calendar. This is my calendar. I don't care about this phone. I don't. I care about the calendar in the phone. And my heart is connected to that calendar. And as I said in week one of this series, I can sometimes get greedy. I can sometimes get selfish for my calendar. And for many others of us in this room, the simple truth is our hearts are connected by a string to our wallets, aren't they? You doubt me on this, just watch. Like, you know some people, there's a string from right here in the middle of their sternum to right back here that every time they reach back here, it, like, they feel this ache, it hurts. You've seen that, haven't you? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will go. Wherever it is, your heart will follow. And so there's this feeling of ache as some of us reach back here because that string pulls on it. So what we want to talk about here today is a heart that is after Christ's kingdom. And because our heart is after Christ's kingdom, we treasure what Christ wants done most in the world. We treasure Christ. We treasure people. We treasure God's church. We treasure what he wants to do in the world because it's from the heart, okay? It's from the heart. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy, you'll find in the Old Testament, it's the fifth book of your Bible, about 180 pages in. It goes from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers to Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy chapter 15, just a little bit of background. Uh, Moses is preparing the Israelites. God is speaking through Moses to prepare the Israelites for their long-awaited promised land. And they've gotten out of the uh, years of slavery. Well, when they were slaves in Egypt, and it was awful, and they went through this time of wandering through the desert, as God is preparing their hearts for this upcoming gift that he's going to present to them, the gift of this promised land filled with all kinds of milk and honey. And they can't wait to get there, and uh, Moses giving them any number of instructions as God gives these instructions to him for how they would live when they enter into the promised land. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving to you, do not be hard-hearted. What's the word? Hard-hearted. It's about the heart. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend Freely there invokes the heart as well. Freely lend, not because you have to, freely lend to them whatever they need. The third, first thing I want to tell you from this passage is this. Uh, the beginning to a heart of generosity is to attack, attack 
the selfish heart. God is talking here about attacking the selfish heart that we all deal with. So he says, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted, rather be open-handed and freely lend. Attack the selfish heart. He goes on to say in verse 9, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year of Jubilee, the seventh year, the year for canceling all debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. What's going on here? In ancient Israel, God instituted a system for economic help called Jubilee. And the Jubilee system was this, that people would lend themselves out to another business owner, lend out their services to pay off the debts that they owe either to that business owner or to some other person. And so you have a business owner who has a fair bit of wealth and someone else who doesn't. And so this person becomes a worker for that one who has much in order to slowly work off their debts. And this was God's economic system for eliminating debt for all people within Israel. Let me just ask by show of hands who would like to re-implement that economic system today of debt-free living. Yes, please. Financial Peace University is coming. Okay, we would like to have debt-free living. And so God implements this system. And just imagine this hypothetical that he is giving to Moses to present to the Israelites. He's saying Jubilee is coming. And as you imagine Jubilee coming, there's a poor family living in your neighborhood. And they are in debt to you. And even though they're already in debt to you because they've asked for a loan, you know in a few months that those debts are going to be canceled. And they come to you again to ask you for yet another loan loan because they're having a hard time making ends meet what do you do in that situation what God is saying to Israel is the easiest and most natural thing to do in that situation is to say uh, all the debts will be cancelled in a few months just hang on you'll be fine I'm not going to loan any more to you notice the word that God gives for that thought which is a natural thought A selfish thought, but a natural thought that we would all have. Verse 9 says, Be careful not to harbor this this wicked thought. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. You, You see, what God is into, and the reason he implemented this idea in the Old Testament of Jubilee, is he knew he had to help people attack the selfish heart to give them a have to that they would give because they have to, because God is going to cancel all these debts come Jubilee, but he doesn't want it to be a have to, he wants it to be a want to. You see the difference? He wants it to be a want to, and so he says, give to them out of your heart. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Not because you have to, because the year of Jubilee is coming, but because you want to help those who are near to you who might be struggling. You ever ask the question, why did God implement giving? Did he implement it because, like, he's running out of homes in heaven for the saints that are dying? Did he implement it because uh, the streets in heaven uh, need new gold? 
Is that why he implemented giving? God didn't implement giving for God. God implemented giving for us. God invented giving because he loves us. God invented giving but because he understands how powerful are the clutches of selfishness on every heart. He implemented giving because he wants us to attack the selfish heart and he understands that giving of our time or our talents or our treasures, any of those, probably more than any other activity, please hear me now, giving works selfishness out of the heart. To give generously is to work selfishness, to fight against greed in the heart. It works selfishness out of the heart. And so we attack the selfish heart. And then Moses is going to go on to say, beware of the grieving heart. Beware of the grieving, beware of the grudging heart. Look at verse 10. He says, uh, give generously to them who are asking for this loan, even though debts are just about to be canceled. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Depending on what Bible translation you might be reading today, it could say grieving heart. Either way, whether it be a grieving heart or a grudging heart, give generously to them. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to do. Now that's amazing. Truly, that's amazing when you think about that. You choose to give generously out of the heart. The Lord your God will bless you in all your work. This is an assurance far from the scriptures. In everything you put your hand to do, one of the fruits of generosity is the Lord promises to bless you in all that you choose to do. Now, I don't know about you. I've had the experience of giving to someone who I knew had need, and then after giving to that person who I knew had need, I stopped and I started to grieve that I gave to that person, but because I I had this thought come to my mind, what are they going to do with that gift that I just gave them? Anyone else had that thought? Okay. Or maybe you've had the experience of you, you saw this wonderful cause to give to, and you chose to give to that, and then you came home and you saw this unexpected house bill that you didn't know was coming. Have you had that? And then what happens? Your heart, you, you, you have a grieving heart in that moment, don't you? And so this is God's way of saying, no, you want to attack the grudging, attack the grieving heart, uh, beware of the grieving heart that might come to you after you give and just realize it's all the Lord's. He's given it all and, and we just give back out of all that he has given us. I, I probably shouldn't do this, but I just had this thought that came to my mind. Uh, here we are in mid-November and in mid-October we were running a little bit short on cash in our house. And uh, my wife's birthday is mid-October and so I wasn't able to buy her a birthday gift and here I am mid-November, and I still haven't bought her a birthday gift in mid-November. And so, what's up, man? Oh, man, look what John just gave me. Thank you, brother. That's a $100 bill right there. I better start thinking these thoughts a little bit more often. Okay, why did John jump up the moment I said, here we are in November and I haven't bought my wife a birthday gift yet? Because I gave him this $100 bill right before the service started. 
And why isn't John grieving about giving me this $100 bill? You're not grieving, are you? Oh, just a little bit. Okay, he's good. <laughs> just a little bit. Now, the, the reason that John isn't grieving about giving me this $100 bill is because it isn't John's. Do you see? This isn't John's. It's mine. And the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness therein, says the Holy Scriptures. It's his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides. He owns it all. And he lends it to us for a season. 70 or 80 very short years. To use it for his glorious purposes in the world. And to change our hearts from the inside out as he pours into us. All I have is yours, God. Thank you for loaning it to me for a time. Beware of the grieving heart, and then cultivate a generous heart. Cultivate a generous heart, verse 12, not up on the screen, but, but you'll see it here, verse 12. It says, if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you, they're working for you for six years to help pay off their debt. In the seventh year, you must let them go free. This is the Jubilee. They've been doing good jobs for you, and you let them go free in the seventh year. Okay, there's a very, very different economic system than existed anywhere in the ancient Near East. It says, let them go free in the seventh year, but don't just stop there, but because you have to. Look at verse 13. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock. Okay, again, that goes to the heart. Just care for them more than you have to. Yeah, they've done a good job for you. You've paid them well, but now as they go on, supply them, care for them liberally from your flock from your threshing floor and from your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Give as the Lord your God has blessed you. God wants us to be generous. You see, we were all born the first time selfish, weren't we? But friends, we're born again the second time generous. We're born the first time selfish. We are born the second time generous. Man, I, I want to be like a free refill person. I want to be a free refill person. You know when you go to a cafe and uh, you get your first cup of coffee and then you've been there for a little bit and you're ready for a second cup of coffee and they come and they give you a free refill. But every once in a while you go to a cafe and they charge you two bucks for that second refill. Okay, I don't want to go back to that cafe again. I want to be a free refill person that God gives to me and I just keep pouring out of what he pours into me. And that requires this cultivation of a generous heart. God, you've given to me so much. You've loaned to me for a period here on earth, and then I want to pour that out to others as you have given to me. This is part of the reason that God gives us a tithe. It's not a rule book, and some of you here in this room and in the venue, I want you to know, you may not be able to afford a tithe right now, and I believe God in his grace is okay with that. I actually believe that. Like, if you can honestly look in your mirror and honestly look at your monthly balance sheet and say, you know what, we just can't, we can hardly make ends meet. I think Jesus and his grace is gracious to you in that. I believe that. But the tithe is like the starting point for followers of Christ because God in his grace understands that this thing has such a power to grab hold of our hearts that he says, I'm going to give you this so that you would remember all of it is mine. 
I love the way Randy Alcorn, an author and speaker, puts it. He says, tithe is not the goal. Tithe is merely the training wheels for true giving. Let me say it again. The tithe is not the goal. The tithe is merely training wheels for true, deep, heart-level generosity because God is not after a metric in the New Testament age. He's after true heart-level generosity, and that takes practice for us to move toward that, doesn't it? My heart is yours, and I give to you out of what you have given to me. I mean, just think about it. What, what are the things you're trying to teach your kids? You want your kids to be generous, don't you? And so you teach your kids to share. Share, Johnny. Johnny, you have 12 stuffed animals already. Share with your sister, Julie. Share, share. Like we have to keep teaching our kids to practice this because it's really hard for them just like it's really, really hard for us. Cultivate generosity. The New Testament says the same exact thing. Paul says, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love that we have kindled in you, because you excel in all of those things, excel also in this grace of generosity, in this grace of giving. You see, the virtue of giving, the virtue of generosity is much like the other virtues though, that we have that God gives to us. We can grow in it little bit by little bit over time. We can excel still more as we live into this. You ever had the experience of giving to someone out of your time and it just blessed your socks off? You're like, man, that was so much fun to be able to use the talents that God has given me to actually help someone else who doesn't have those talents. Like, isn't that fun? Right? Or you have some knowledge that you're able to coach into someone. You're able to teach into someone who doesn't have that level of knowledge. Isn't that like the funnest thing to be able to do that? It brings so much gratification to us. And so also, God gives us this, that in our areas of treasures, we get to say, man, I get to give out of all that you have poured into me to other needs that other people have when they cannot supply for themselves. Thank you, God. How much fun is that? Like, I don't have to just spend this on another brand new big screen TV on top of the three that I already have. Thank you, Jesus. Or the experience of, I get to give to my church, this church that feeds me. I get, this is my church. This isn't Adrian's church. This isn't our elder's church. This is my church. And I get to help build up this, my church. How fun is that? Or you've had the experience of, of giving to a compassion kid in Columbia, and you say, man, I go without a dollar a day so this kid who lives on a dollar a day can, can have a little bit more medical and academic and spiritual development, which I take for granted. Thank you, God. It's so much fun. And then we slowly grow in this grace of generosity. It's not mostly about money. It's about time. It's about talents every bit as much as it is. I mean, you think of people you know who care faithfully for their aging parents. Prevent them from going into loneliness. To consistently care for the elderly. I, I mean, it's so beautiful. When you see that, it's generous. It's from the heart. Jesus puts it this way. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little disciples of mine, I can assure you they will not fail to receive the reward in full in heaven. That if we choose to give out of our hearts, be it a cup of cold water, a little bit of time to care for someone who is in need, that God will give us a reward for that in heaven. 
Now, in my experience, to change requires challenge. How about you? Is that true in your, in your world? Is that true? To change requires challenge. And so as we attack the selfish heart, as we're aware, as we beware the grieving heart, as we cultivate a generous heart, I want to suggest to you to develop a plan for a generous heart. Develop a plan for generosity. Because it, it rarely happens without a plan. If you don't yet have a plan for generosity, let, let me suggest just a few hooks that you can kind of hold on to. Priority, percentage, and progressive. You, you begin by prioritizing, I'm going to think of all that God has given me the way God thinks of what he has given me. The way we're taught in America to think about our finances is this. I live first, I save second, and I give if there's a little bit left over. Isn't that right? That's the way we're taught to think about our finances. The way God teaches us in the scripture is the exact opposite of that. The way God teaches us to think is give first, first fruits, save second, and live on the rest. That's the way God tells us to think about it. Give first, save second, and live on the rest. You save, then you live on the rest, then you live beneath your, lean, your means so you don't go into debt. And, I mean, God's method for finances is the method the, that we need. That's the priority. Percentage is this. Again, the, there may be some in the, this room that you just say, man, I, I, I can't do a tie. There's no way. How would I make my, my budget balance at the end of the month? There's no way. You just begin to decide today as you develop a plan, what is a percentage that is reasonable for, for us to begin? And you challenge yourself to a specific percentage. For some, it might be... 5%, for some might be 10%, for some might be 7%. You, you decide on that as you say, God, would you please prevent these clutches of selfishness and greed again in my heart, and so I'm going to designate this to you at the very beginning of the month, I start with this percentage. And then finally, you progressively build on that. Little bit by little bit, year after year, you progressively build on that such that you grow in this grace of generosity. I want to tell you a little bit of my story. And for that, I need to sit down. I, I was raised, as many of you know, outside of the church. And uh, I occasionally gave to good causes that came my way. Uh, not because it was the right thing to do, but because I thought it might give me a pat on the back. And that felt good from time to time. It was all about me. I don't think I knew what a tithe was until I was 23 or 24 years old. And I certainly never gave one until that point. Eventually, I started to live that way. And shortly thereafter, Susie and I got married. And she was raised a completely different way than me. She has the most generous parents I've ever met. And um, she challenged me, and we began in our marriage to say, all right, we're going to live God's way. We're going to believe in this and we're going to section off a portion of our salary and we're going to start with the tithe. And uh, started doing that when we got married 15 and a half years ago. And uh, then we made this decision that we would progress in that. And 
slowly but surely over the past 15 years, we've grown that each and every year, such that we're at a point right now that we give it a level to a number of different causes and to our church family that feeds us and to local ministries and to Compassion International with the sponsored kids that we have and to some other missionaries all over the world um, at a level that we couldn't have imagined before. And I, I won't say the number, it doesn't matter. But it's a level that we never could have imagined in the past. And we're not done. Our desire is to keep growing it little bit by little bit every year because God has given it all. And we want to do that not because we would expect anything back, but I'll tell you, we've never been able to outgive God. We have never been able to outgive God. There's never been a time that God hasn't supplied for our needs and then some. Supplied for our wants as well. There's never been a time. And what God has given us back in return, as the scripture talks about, that God will bless you all the more as you give, sometimes has been financial for us, and sometimes it has not been financial for us. Oftentimes it's been way better than more finances. It's been the joy of a more simple life. It's been the joy of learning to live sacrificially. It's been the joy of contentment. It's been the joy of thankfulness for what we have. And God has multiplied that again and again. As Susie got this example from her parents, and I've slowly learned that example as well. As you know, we are in uh, the final leg of this capital opportunity. And I, I just want you to know, I want to put that on the table. We're down to the last 600,000 or so on that project to finish up this chapel that will be greatly used by our bilingual ministry and our youth and smaller weddings and funerals and throughout the week. And then this church plant in Columbia that we're a part of, and this prayer room, and then finally retiring debt on this building. And a year ago, well, we came before you, and we asked you if you, know, you consider a pledge card for this campaign, and you all have been incredibly generous. And our family has fulfilled our pledges. Um, I want you to know this is not academic for me. This is not my job. This is not my job. Our boys have fulfilled their pledges. We, we teach them from a young age to do the same. And so we, we've just been praying as we're in this home stretch. What do you want us to do now, God? And this is all I would ask you to do is to pray. We've just been praying, God, what, what is it that you want us to do now? And I felt like as I've been praying over the past few months, um, I just kept on going to this passage in which King David says, I will not give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. King David says that. I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so from time to time, we believe in sacrificial generosity. And so what we've decided to do for the remainder of this year is uh, I'm, I'm giving the final month and a half of my salary to this project. And I, I don't share that to suggest anything to you. Not in the least. I share that to simply say, we're all in for this. And if I was a, a newcomer to this church or a church member, probably my question would be, does this pastor believe in what he's talking about? And this is my church home, and so I believe in this. And so we want to sometimes say, God, what would you have us do sacrificially even for this? Because God has given all to us. I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing here's how this passage concludes from Deuteronomy Moses says 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That more than anything motivates me to want to go higher, to want to be more generous with what God has given me, that I was a slave to sin. And I've suffered the consequences of my slavery to sin. And yet God in his grace came to redeem me. And though he was rich, yet even for me he became poor. That I might through his riches become rich unto God. And I've never been able to get over that. That God did that for me. And as I get that in me, it just seems natural, ordinary, to say, God, I give my all to what you want done in this world. I give you my heart. So, Father, I, I thank you for my friends in this room. I thank you, Lord, for this incredibly generous church. And Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in and through us over these years. And I thank you, Lord, for what you have taught me through my wife and taught me through your word mostly about the gift of generosity. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you've made it fun. I admit on the front end it was kind of hard. And I'm not there yet, not by any means, but I want to get there. I want to give my full heart to you, God. And it's hard at first, but it's so much fun. And I thank you for that, Lord. I wonder if you might just take a moment here in the auditorium and in the venue. And you might ask the Lord, God, what are you saying to me through this message? Is there something that you've been wanting to whisper to me through this series? Is there a way, God, that you want me to give my time in a different way? To be more liberal with the abilities that you have given me? Is there something different that you need for me and my treasures that I need change, God? What is it that you want to say to us, God? Father, we invite you to speak. We thank you that you have poured out everything that we have. We give you glory and thanksgiving that you own it all. And that's good because it wouldn't be good for us to own it. And so, God, we give it back to you. Today, Lord, we give you our hearts. We pray, God, that you would use our hearts for your honor and your glory in this world. That you would advance your church and your kingdom. That your will would be done here on earth as it's always done in heaven. We will be careful to give you all the praise and glory. Through Christ we ask. Amen.